turn in your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 13. And I just want to make mention of something, if you will. Uh, we're not taking a, a special offering for this, but you ever had one of those months at home where everything tore up? I don't know how many compressors we have on this roof. I think it's 30-something. Anyway, this month we had two of them go out. Uh, we just fin- fixed the roof. It's all, it's all dying. We got to pray this building to sell, y'all, so we can be debt-free and build. <laughs> but um, we do have need in this house. Um, and so in the next couple of weeks, if it's something that you would like to give towards, uh, air is a wonderful thing. We need it to breathe and to keep us cool and... Uh, I just, it's awkward for me to do stuff like this, but I've had some of my guys in the church that said, Pastor, if we don't know, we don't know when. And so uh, outside of what we normally give, if that's something you want to give towards, we uh, have several uh, needs here. And it's always enough. And if you feel any uh, pressure or manipulation or anything, don't give. That's not how God does. That's not how he operates. We to give as we purpose in our heart. Uh, unto him. So, Proverbs chapter 13, if you're there, stand with me. You ain't on the screen today, baby, if you ain't got a Bible. <laughs> Look for that lady with a big purse, it's in there. <laughs> Rope, bungee cord. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, It is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire cometh, it is a tree of life. If you'd remain standing for just a moment, I went through every major word of this uh, in the Hebrew. And I want to give you a summary uh, of an expounded, an amplified, if you will. But it's a John Wood amplified just from the definitions, not my opinions, definitions. When hope, the expectation of something asked for, believed for and waited on, is deferred. When what you've prayed is prolonged, it's drawn out, and it seems to be removed from you. It can make your heart the most center part of who you are and what you are. It can cause your heart to become sick. Unanswered prayer can grieve your heart. It can bring great pain. It can cause you to to be wounded, overwhelmed, unsound, incapable, and even shut down. But, but, so this is the experience. See, we've already, two weeks ago, uh, and if you don't have this CD, you can go online uh, if you weren't with us. I talked about the theology of unanswered prayer. See, you got to be able to do both. You got to navigate unanswered prayer and full heartedly believe in answered prayer. You got to know how to navigate unanswered prayer and believe and live in answered prayer. So we talked about when, when, when my hope's deferred, when it's postponed, when it's prolonged, these things happen in my heart. It's like your soul being torn in half. But when desire comes, when that which we have longed for, prayed for, cried for, fasted concerning, and waited patiently on, when it cometh, When it unmistakably appears and makes its residence here in my life. It, the answered prayer, is a tree of life. It's a source of divine life resulting in divine health, hope, clarity of all who partake of its fruit. Hope deferred does make the heart sick. And unanswered prayers can refine you like nothing else. But answered prayers can define you like nothing else. They can change your DNA. One or two prayers that God answers that are landmark, that are pivotal, small or big, can change your perspective. And if you have answered prayers, you can live through the seasons of unanswered. I want to speak to you this morning by God's grace. And if you'll pray with me as I pray for myself on the subject of the foundation of answered prayers. Unanswered prayer is part of our experience, but it's not our foundation. Our foundation is God says, call on me and I'll answer you. That's our foundation. Father, I stand before you this morning and I want you to say publicly what you know that I know in my heart. 
I have no ability to help anyone outside of your word and the anointing on the preached word. Use me today, Lord, as a vessel, I pray. Let my words go forth uh, with, with a, a straightness to them, an accuracy like water finding the lowest place. Let them find their way into our heart, away with our ideologies and the wisdom of men in this world. Let us know thy truth. Sanctify us through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And let it be so today, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Jesus said, my house is to be called a house of prayer. He was speaking of the earthly temple. It refers to house churches, local assemblies, and you as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Houses of prayer. In our heyday here, by that I mean numeric heyday, We had 1,200 people, and we'd average about 12 in prayer. Maturity is no substitute for prayer. Consecration is not a substitute for prayer. Giftings and morality is not a substitute for prayer. Jesus tells us in his word We ought to always pray. Now, that doesn't mean you're in persistent supplication, but it means God communication, uh, speaking to God, covering our needs, uh, uh, prayers of adoration, prayers of confession, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of supplication, prayers of worship, prayers of faith, prayers of intercession, prayer for God to judge between us and our uh, oppressors, prayers in the Spirit. But for brevity's sake, I want to focus this morning on the supplication, the letting your request be made known unto God. Don't let seasons of unanswered prayer stop you from expecting God to answer your prayer. Prayer is not us controlling God. It's us trusting God. Prayer is not a formula. Stop listening to that mess. Seven ways to get what you want from God. No. No. Prayer is the bringing to God the things he already knows and reminding him of your trust in him. If it controls God, it's idolatry. That's why we make sticks and stones and say this is your God because you can control them. You can, you can control what you make. I can't make God do anything. Foundation number one, if you're taking your notes, God invites us to pray. It was his idea. He, 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 uh, oh, and I want to encourage you, if you can come tonight, we're going to unpack this. I've got several portions of scripture. We're going to really delve into this uh, line upon line, precept upon precept tonight uh, at six o'clock. God invites you to pray. Now let's back up from the idea of what is prayer. It's, it's communication, us towards God. Uh, prayer can be us speaking and then us hearing, but it's the whole dialogue. Why would he invite you to pray since he's omniscient? He already knows. So prayer must not be for him. Let your request be made known to God. Why would you let your request be made known to God when he already knows the things that you have need for? He doesn't need you to pray. You need to pray. Prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes you. And God changes things. God will take us through the valleys of unanswered prayer. He will let us experience the glories of answered prayer. But in both of them, you get God. You get interaction. You cast your cares. You work through issues. You walk away from sin. You you grow out of immaturities. Prayer changes you and God invited you to pray. Do you know the power of an invitation? Oh man, I, there's so much here. There, when, when, when someone gives you an invitation, uh, you know, like if it's something big in the world, uh, I don't know what they're called now, Oscars, Tonys, Freddies, I don't know what they are, but they have a little rope. And if you have an invitation, you can get where the common people can't go. You know, like you used to could call into restaurants and 
have your name on the list. Now there's no list. It's just you get the animated thing and you stand for two hours waiting to get in. And, uh, I just want to be special. I want to come to the restaurant, party of two, right this way, Mr. Wood. Sorry, peasant people. <laughs> I do. I want to just go sit down and eat. I'm sorry. Ain't no meal worth two hours in the lobby. I, I can go home and get on my pajamas. And, you know, but if you have an invitation, if you have an invitation to a place, Mr. Wood, we're expecting you. Tie this invitation to pray to when Simon Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and they were screaming, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, it's a ghost. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Give me an invitation. Come. On one word, one word, not the Bible, one word, Simon was able to do in this moment what he couldn't do in the moment before. Simon was able to transcend the laws of nature and physics. On one word, Simon was able to do what would kill other people. Power infused that moment and you have an invitation. Come, talk this over with me. Tell me about it. I already know, but tell me about it. Well, if you already know, why do you want me to tell? Because you need to be around me. Men, as you get older, that cheap cologne gets worse. Less is more. You don't even have to understand it. Just write it in the refrigerator. Less is more. What happens is you use it and use it, and by the time you're 50 or 60, you have to put on a quart to smell it. Before you, and once you smell it, you go, oh, now it's on. No, no, it's on. <laughs> Waxed plants dying on the way by. And whether it's you or the, that older saint that with the Merle Norman, you know, with the paint roller, and, and you, you smear that on you, I, I, I take you home with me for a long time. I have to get the kitchen scrubbies sometimes and scrub to get that... that the, the cologne, and people are getting mad, folding their arms at me right now. The, the, the smell permeates me, and you and I share moments that I didn't really want to share later in the day. We're close. We're bonded. And if, you know, high karate and all that aqua velva. There's something about aqua velva, man. Yeah, he stinks. Uh, but I try to give you things you can laugh at because sometimes those are triggers. If I can carry a bad fragrance with me, can I carry the fragrance of God with me? If I embrace God, if God embraces me, there's a divine heavenly air there. There's a purity there. There's, it, the Bible said they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. They didn't see them be with Jesus. They said, no, they look different. They sound different. They feels different. You have an invitation to pray. And we don't even RSVP. For God to invite you to pray, this means that the design of prayer is perfect. That the invitation to prayer is without exception. That the pattern and path of prayer is exclusive in his name. And we'll be talking about this tonight. For his glory. The promise of prayer is yes and amen. This means that the power of prayer is the integrity of God. The power of prayer is the integrity of God. You are not answered by how you pray. You are answered because of who invited you to pray. I don't need a formula. I have an invitation. John, how do you come? Who are you to come before God? I come through the torn flesh of Jesus Christ. And I enter into the holy of holies with a boldness. And I can find grace for help in time of need. There's a pattern there. And you invited me to come. You must have been reading my book. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, John. I reveal that. I come by invitation. And the power of prayer. See, for something to be truth, it has to be truth in every situation at every time in history. Or it's not truth. If there's an exception, then it's not truth. Okay, um, and this sitting in my notes. So if I get lost, help me remember where I was. Um, for there to be any exceptions, 
then it can't be truth. So for us, when we pray, let's say there's a prayer list. Get on the prayer list. Get on the prayer list. And nothing wrong with that. I, I want to be on the prayer list. I want my babies on the prayer list. But according to that way of thinking, the motive is the more popular people have greater access to God than the quiet people. Right? So if the more prayer list you're on, the better your odds. No. No. I want more people praying not to increase my odds, but to show him I believe. The power of prayer is the integrity of God. You don't invite me to something I don't have access to. And you don't give false hope. Therefore, I will call upon the Lord because he bends down to listen to me. And the Bible says in Proverbs 15 that the prayers of the upright are his delight. Oh, so it wasn't for me. Results are byproducts, not the purpose. I'll give you one more about the, the, the God already knowing all things. Adam, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. So he was asking a question he already knew the answer to. Call upon me. Come talk to me about it. Tell me. Let your request be made known unto me. Why did he ask Adam, where are you? Because Adam didn't know where he was. Why do we pray? So that we can see what we didn't see. So we can hear what we didn't hear. So we can know what we didn't know. So we can do what we couldn't do. And then God answers the prayers. If you have a formula without that, you just have a genie. Not a Lord. Because when you're done with the genie, he goes back in the lamp and lets you live your life accordingly. I don't want a genie. I want God Almighty to be my Lord. Number two, God promises to listen. Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. I asked a moment ago, why would he have to listen if he knows all the things from his omniscience? Maybe it's because he wants you to know he is present with you in the moment. I choose not to live with you out of omniscience only. But I'm humbling myself to live with you in the moment. He could do it from a distance. But he lives with us in the moment. When I'm burdening, unburdening my heart, he is in that moment with me, listening as if he didn't know. Not deceptively, but attentively, personally. The Bible says that the very hairs of your head are numbered. I remember when he opened that scripture up to me, it just it went into the deepest parts of who I, were, who I was. The very hairs of my head are numbered. It doesn't say he knows how many they are. He said they were all numbered. Why would he tell me that my hairs were numbered? And you know, you look in the brush and he could tell you what number hair that was that came out in the brush. And some of us are keeping him busier than others are with it. Why would he tell us that? He wants us to know I'm current with you. Not out of omniscience only. But I must be up to date to know which hairs come out of your head. Imagine how that changes prayer when you go into prayer not having the need to update him. I'm going to tell you these things because you told me to tell them. So I'm not giving, Lord, I'm so glad you got time for me. You ain't going to believe what happened today. Sit down. It's, you ain't going to believe this. As if he's not... God. He promises to listen. Some, anybody got friends that finish your sentences? Quit. Y'all just quit. Let us say our little thing. They'll just, I got a buddy of mine. I won't mention who it is. He's intense. He's like, I thought I was intense, but I'm with him. And I'm like, oh, oh. You know, I, I, I'm blinking like this. I told him the other day, I said, talking with you is like drinking out of a fire hose. That's what I, I'm like, it's double Dutch at the dinner table. If I could just, if you just let me, if I could, oh, never mind. Just go ahead. Just, you know what I'm going to say anyway. Go ahead. But when I'm talking to someone and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm unburdening my soul and they pause, I can't wait to hear what they're going to say because they're processing 
And they are taking what I say seriously. Oh, that we would view prayer that way. When God pauses, it's not that he needs to frame his words because he knows what he... But he wants us to get ready and look at that pause so we can anticipate. Because the next words are going to be from him. Don't curse the pauses. They're the bridge between changes of keys in music. Change of direction change of speed, change of destination. Pause, that pinwheel, means I'm working on it. And it's not because of limited resources. It's wait for it, wait for it, now. Number three, God not only invites us to pray and promises to listen, He promises to answer in predictable and unpredictable ways. How many of you have ever prayed for something? I can't believe he did that. Well, why was he praying? He can't believe it. Much of our prayers, many of our prayers are not answered because of unbelief. Now, I'm not putting it all on us. We've already covered the theology of unanswered prayer when you're in faith believing. But many of our prayers are not answered because of unbelief. We don't believe he's there. We don't believe in the invitation. We don't believe he listens. We don't believe he cares. And we don't believe he can. No wonder He doesn't answer. But to the person that comes like a child and believes, the very first thing I taught my children was not that I loved them. It was that your daddy will always keep his word. Your daddy will always keep his word because I want them to be able to take that step easily into my heavenly father will always keep his word. God answers prayer in predictable and unpredictable ways, in progressive and instantaneous ways. Mama Sheila, we call them suddenlies. And shall not God's own that cry out to God day and night, although God bear long with them, will he not avenge them speedily? Which means he doesn't act always immediately, but when he does act, bam, suddenlies. Suddenly the marriage is healed. Suddenly the body mends. Suddenly the door is opened. Suddenly the depression is gone. Suddenly there's a change. What happened? God spoke. The prayers had come up before me. He said, wait, wait. Why wouldn't you answer it earlier? Because it wouldn't have the same effect. I'm changing them. I'm transforming them. I'm giving them eternal riches and glory. And if I gave it to them earlier, they wouldn't appreciate it. Wait, wait. And he knows when the right time is. God has schedule. I, I, people <laughs> had a man stop me. That This happens all the time, by the way, in Publix. And um, I said the other day, it was a couple years ago. But uh, he saw me with my little babies and we're in the little cart and they're driving. And he goes, all right, granddaddy. I said, I said, this happens all the time. You know, they think Kelly's the, uh, my daughter whose probably husband left her and I've stepped in and I'm helping, you know. That's, Sicko. Uh, yeah. So I, I said, no, I ain't no granddaddy. These are mine. He said, why? That's what he said. Just like that. He goes, why? And I said, well. And so I told him and had another man come by and one time and goes, isn't being a granddaddy the greatest thing in the world? Oh, these are mine. And he goes, he shook and walked off. We brought our babies home from the hospital on the perfect day, in the perfect season, at the perfect time, because God knows what we don't know. Instantaneous, suddenlies, in simple and miraculous ways. I remember around 1988, 89, and I can, I can remember that because I was at my first church about three years as a youth pastor. And George Parrott, an evangelist, came and preached on prayer. And he said, if you've got a need, nail it down. Give God specifics. He said, you can't make it difficult for God. So, you know, you got your, what you call your difficult prayers and your small prayers. And the Lord opened that up to me like in a moment. I saw it. If you could measure difficulty in the eyes of God then that means you could increase the level of difficulty till it was too great. It's all the same to him. Light and the darkness are the same to him. There's no measures 
of difficulty. So he said, if you want a bicycle and you want a blue one, tell him a blue one. You know, and of course, he was preaching more on the getting what you want part. But I was gleaning from the other. Okay, God, I can't, I, the statement I got was, I can't make it hard for you. So I was stepping down as youth pastor, going on the evangelistic field. And, you, you know, the church didn't give me a desk, computer, nothing. Just, you know, be clothed, be fed. God bless you. Start over. And I didn't have a desk. And at that time, all of our furniture in the house had to be oak. You married men understand what I'm talking about? It has to be oak. Or what about, ah! Do y'all remember when you got married and nothing you owned got to go with you? What about this two foot by three foot picture of me and my dog in the river? Nope. Heirlooms, priceless, boxed up, taped, and it said John stuff on it. Papa's on chair. Ah! Flashing Bud Light sign. Nope. Which that was the Lord, you know. Had to be oak. And I, I, rem- I remember this like yesterday. It was really from that message. I said, okay, Father, I need a desk. I need an oak desk. Got to be oak. In case you didn't know the depth of this. It has to be tiger oak, preferably. I'm serious. And I said, and Father, since I can't make it hard for you, I just can't. And I remember, you know, this is how I'm wired. And I'm I'm adding some of this so you'll know. I can't stand junk. I just, it don't have to have name brand. I couldn't care less if it's a pony, a dog, a rat, a hamster. I don't care. I just can't stand junk. If your refrigerator don't keep it cold, get a new refrigerator. If your dog won't come to you, get another dog. It's, it's, it's easy. Life is easy. I can't stand junk. And I said, and Father, I don't want a desk. You ever go to somebody's house and go to sit in a chair? Don't sit there. You, what? No, no, that won't hold you up. I'm thinking, then why you got it in the living room? Does anybody else? I mean, see, y'all won't say nothing. I'll go, why, why you got a chair in here you can't sit in? Okay. Let me get back to my notes. Where was? Okay. Oak desk. Oak desk. And I said, Father, I want a sturdy one. I, I don't, it don't have to be ornate, but I want to be able to dance on it. That's what I told him. So I'm driving on a Saturday morning to go do a benevolence thing at the church. And I, I, I see this sign in the yard, garage sale. I don't do garage sales. Crazy people go to garage sales. They have them and they go to them. Now I've been and you can get some good stuff there, but you can get scarred. Hosting one or going. I just was going to drive by. And you know how the Lord will just quicken your heart? I mean, just like, turn! I mean, but it wasn't loud, but it was emphatic. Like, go! So I pull in the garage sale. You know, and she had like a clock with no hour hand. You know. <laughs> you remember the wooden fork and spoon? And the fork had like two spindles. Two were broke off. You know, it's a dollar. I said, it ain't got an hour hand, lady. You know, or it don't work. You know, it doesn't move. And you go, well, it's right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I get out of my car and I'm going through, you know, looking at the table. And then the, the vultures had hit, you know, used paper towels left, just a couple things on the table, you know, old stained, sold baby clothes and stuff. And all of a sudden, have you ever had the moments where you either step into or God just shows up? And it was. I walked right over to the lady, brand new believer, three years in. I said, where's my desk? She goes, excuse me? My desk, I was just driving up here, and I, I, told, I told the whole story. And I've been praying for, and it's got to be this. And the, I felt the Lord tell me just to pull in here. You got my desk here? She goes, right this way. God is my witness as he's listening to me. I walked through her house, that, and there was a little sign out front that said, furniture inside. When I saw that, that's when it clicked. For me, furniture inside. And I walked in the room and I just start crying. And I walk over to this oak desk. It weighed like 350 pounds. It, was, it wasn't ornate at all. Okay, heavy. And I'm, Lord, I know you're listening and I know this brings glory to you. It's not that I'm anything at all. I opened the little pencil drawer and stamped in. I don't know how you stamp metal into wood. That's, but stamped in there was a little metal plaque and it said, Stonewall Jackson, built like a rock. 
And so I'm in here just crying over this desk, and she's walking in. You know, there's Pentecostal believers, and then there's some that aren't so Pentecostal, you know. So I think she was a believer. She had a little signs, you know, in the little ichthus and stuff. She walked in, and I'm just praying in tongues, draped over the desk, and she's like, and I'll just come back in here just a minute, you know. So I come outside and I told her the story about what happened. And I said, how much? And she goes, uh, we, I think she said it was like 300. She goes, but just give me 40. It's not a problem. Just take, it. you know, she's seeing the God moment. She goes, here, you need a lamp? She gave me a lamp and a little thing to go on it. And I, I have to go home, borrow a truck and I get it back. But for the next several years while I was on the evangelistic field, I'm sitting in a 500 square foot apartment. And half of the den is taken up with the Stonewall Jackson desk. And I wrote my sermons there. And when I doubted, I'd pull that drawer open. Built like a rock. Thou knowest the things that I have need of before you ask. And you're answering the prayers not to give me the desk, but to make me aware that God rules from heaven and runs the, all, all things. I bet you kept that desk. No, I didn't. Why? Because I know how easy it is to make an idol out of the thing. And it ain't about the desk. It ain't about the shirts with my initials on them. It's about having a truth buried so deep inside of you that I ain't got to cling to the desk. I'm waiting on the next big thing. No idols. God promised to answer in general and personal ways. Are generic and personal ways, in small and immeasurable ways, in mundane and glorious ways. Sometimes he answers and you don't notice. Other times it's in simple ways. And other times, when you get to heaven, when you realize how many of your prayers were answered and you did not connect the two because they did not show up like you thought it would show up, you are going to be blown away. He answers in veiled and recognizable ways, in private and in public ways. And in possible and impossible ways. When Kelly and I got married and we had already had the conversation about, you know, of course, me being sterile and all she ever wanted to be was a mama. She didn't play wife and bride when she was a little girl. She played mama. And we just couldn't have children. And I would hear her in the other room. And it was never angry or like loud and dramatic, but it was, it was pitiful. Like just soft crying before the Lord for children. And I remember praying multitude of times. I said, father, you just, I know you don't need this. You just take 10 years off my life. Just, you know, I did not pray for us to have kids. I prayed for her to have kids. She, it was her. My desire was that she got her desire. And so we're praying, and the Lord answered me with a phrase I've never heard before or since. So I'm 50 or 49 at this time. And uh, I, the phrase came in my heart. said, if you will not find your children, they'll find you. So I go to share that with her. Now, she hadn't heard the Lord's voice on it, so she's not nearly excited about the statement as I was. And she says, what does that mean? I said, well, we're not going to call anybody. We're not going to call adoption agencies. We're not going to help. That just makes it more impossible on her end and heavier. And I don't have, I'm not one that's exercised the gift of faith often, maybe three times in my life. But I'm telling you, I knew and I never doubted. It was a supernatural impartation of I have spoke it, it will happen, and I never wavered. And then we get a phone call from someone we might speak to twice a year who knew a lady we've never met, who knew a lady in another state that was talking about aborting her babies. And somehow we got connected. We met with her. We told her our story. She said, so let me get this right. If I carry these children full term, you'll take them and you won't back out. I said, not on our life. And so at 50 and 35, we brought Isabel and Olivia home. And then two years later, someone who's followed our story on Facebook calls us and says, you want a little boy? Like a bonus baby, you know? You just ask for one, you get twins, and then you get the bonus boy. 
And looking back on it now, I was praying for her and I got to be a daddy. It's always greater than what you're praying. There's always more to it than what you're praying. There's always more blessing than what you're praying. Yes, there's agonizing. Yeah, I hadn't even told you this. I told several people this morning. Elisha, my little boy, my buddy, is changing. He hit one of those intellectual growth spurts. All of a sudden, now he can talk. You know? Hey, how was school? I got more friends. As you do. Uh-huh. John David, Mercer, and he's naming all the... Victor, and he's naming all the kids, and he's just talking. So yesterday... The girls and grandma went to horse town, horse city, horse trailer, horse pen, something, tractor, just cha-ching. And uh, uh, <laughs> me and Elisha stayed home and went and took up an offering in the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> but I told him, uh, he, I, I, can you take me playground? I said, yeah, I'll take you. And so we're about to go. He goes, can you take me trampoline? I said, well, buddy, I... Daddy can't jump on a trampoline. You know, I've had back surgery and I'm a little older. He said, yeah, but when you die and we get a young daddy, then he can do it. I said, not, you don't want me to die, do you? He goes, oh, no, no, but if you do, the next daddy, he's young. And he's heard me tell Kelly that. You know, he'll hear me teasing her. I said, I ain't walking in front, down, down the stairs in front of you no more. You know, she'll be asking me about life insurance. And then we'll go, I'll start walking down the stairs and go, hey, hey. So see, you got all that with it too. You got the crazy teenage years with it too. You got the other. But the answered prayer, you see, yeah, there's, there's the difficulty of raising. Yeah, I got it. And there's the financial difficulty. You ain't had the teen years. Yeah, I did. I had Jim. No, but there's joy and the sense of belonging in my life. Do, do you know how rich you have to be to be able to look a crowd this size in the eye and say, I don't know one man I would swap my life with? So why did God ask me to pray? So he could create the life? No, so I could participate in the journey before the life got here. You're missing out on the best days. The pause, the nine months of the hidden, builds expectation for the delivery. Instead of cursing the pause, prepare the room. Because God answers prayers. God is not confined or limited to what we pray. Thank you, Lord. I'm amazed at how many of these guys get on television and focus on how you pray. Make sure that you use these verses like God don't know the verses. Well, yes, you're supposed to have faith and yes, the foundation is the word of God, but he's not impressed with how articulate I am. He wants to see if I'm his and did I come in the name of Jesus and it's not my prayers that move him, it's that I'm his son, that I'm his that moves him. And he's not limited, you know, so many people now, you know, you got to pray this way, or you got, you know, you got to uh, have beads in your hand or put a shawl over your head, or you have to pray towards the north, and, you know, you have to pray this way and squatting one, one arm up, you know, it's like the telephone repairman that was in a room and these three preachers when they're talking about the most powerful posture of prayer and one of them said it's kneeling kneeling because there's a sense of humility there you have to be kneeling that's the most powerful posture of prayer the other one said no standing standing especially pacing pacing gives you builds you a rhythm and you can focus and you know what you're doing you can your hands are free and you you're more interactive with God and the other one said "Mm, face down in the carpet you don't move can't breathe nose in the carpet posture just straight out in humility before the Lord And the guy says, hey, I know I'm nothing but a phone repairman guide, but the most powerful prayer I ever prayed was hanging upside down from a power line about 30 feet in there. (laughs) There is something to be said for the posture of the heart. But you need to understand that we're not prayed based on how we pray. We're We're heard based on the finished work of Jesus Christ and us standing in him. I'm grateful that God is not confined to what we pray. 
I just want him to answer prayer. Do you? Do you remember who you asked him to be your spouse when you was 20? Any of you went to your 15, 20-year-old class reunion and thanked the Lord for unanswered prayer? Thank you, Jesus. Had revival. You go to the 20-year anniversary. Woo, Lord, thank you. She got a mustache, Lord. Thank you. Woo, thank you. Aren't you, I'm trying to get you to something. Aren't you glad that he had the wherewithal not to answer all those prayers and not to be limited by them? Because our prayers are usually more temporal than eternal, more carnal than spiritual. Ours are based on miss, dis, and incomplete information. Our prayers are usually focused on the urgent instead of the necessary. And our prayers usually, you may not believe this, but if you start journaling your prayers and the answers to them and the delays, you'll find out that you usually underestimate God. Let me give you this verse if you're taking notes. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask, that's prayer, or think. According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Let this go into your heart. If you thought it, that's not what he's planning. I'm able to do above what you're asking and thinking. Well, I haven't even asked yet. I know. The thinking part. See, I'm inviting you to pray, but it's just so you'll find the current of my will. And then I'm going to do for you not only what the things that you've asked for that are in my will, but the things that you are not aware of, the things that you have not processed. If you've thought it, that's not what God's planned. It's greater than that. What else can it mean? Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. John, I want you to participate, but I've already got a plan. I've already mapped the plan. I've already set in motion the plan. Number five, finally, every prayer is answered. And every answer is perfect. You think it takes pr faith to pray? It takes faith to believe that every prayer is answered. God either says yes, no, or not yet. But he answers. I sought the Lord three times to remove this th thorn from me, Paul said. And the Lord said, nope. I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to give you something that will carry you the rest of your life. Sufficient grace. If he answers yes... It cannot be withstood, hindered, or overruled. If the answer is no, leave it alone. Unfortunately, many through immaturity, carnal reasonings, complaining, and refusal to take no for an answer, receive what they demand to the leanness of their own soul. The Israelites demanded meat, and God made quail swarm them, and they ate quail till they were throwing up sick from quail. If God answers no, leave it alone it has been my experience with God that most of my prayers are not yet they're yes if I'm praying in the will of God yes he hears me but not yet John I'm, I'm doing other things I'm working other things listen to this verse Romans 8 28 for we know not think not hope not wish we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. John, with that prayer, I'm, I'm doing something else too. But I want it now. It's like the kid demanding the birthday cake come out of the oven. Isn't the cake in there? Didn't you say you would do it? Didn't you promise? Didn't you promise we'd have? Okay, here. You cut into that boy and it's like, it wasn't time. The icing's being chilled. The candles are... I, there's more to this than what you're asking. Just believe. And find rest in waiting. 
learn of me. And you'll find rest for your soul. How's that? Because once you know who I am, you won't be anxious for anything. You'll know that as for God, his way is perfect. God is working. Whoever this is for, what is God doing? He's working. He's working. What is God doing? Working. All things. Some of you have never thought of this before. Not the thing you're praying for. All things. So interject your one thing you're praying for or the two things you're praying for. And there's an ocean of all things. He goes, throw them in there. I got it. Throw them in there. I got it. I'll include it. Come on, throw it in here. I have a plan. And it's going to work. So what is the benefit for those that pray? Let your request be made known unto God. And then the peace of God shall guard your heart. And you'll be able to sleep and rest. Even waiting, knowing that God's ways are perfect and finally I told you that most of my experiences are not yet and with my deepest disappointments the nose he later gives me that I never dreamed my experience has been when he gives me a no he later follows it with I had no idea you were doing this for me I had no idea you were planning my healing and my disease. I had no idea you were planning the fullness of my heart in my loneliest of years. I told Kelly the other day, we had one of our few quiet moments, you know, where you're in the car and you realize you're by yourself or you're at home. And you go, hey, it's just us. And I told her, I said, this has been the best 10 years of my life. It's been the best 10 years of my life. I had no idea that when I was praying... He was working. I had no idea that in that room up there where some of my greatest sorrows were was a young lady who'd never been married praying for two years on Tuesday and Fridays for my wife to come home and that lady would one day be my wife. Could it be that the answer to your prayer is two arm lengths away and you don't even see it? Yet, Because God is working all things together for your good. These blessings do not erase the pain, disappointment, and sorrow of unanswered prayers. But they are planted right on top of them. And unanswered prayers are fertile soil. If you are in this room this morning, and it won't take but just a moment. It's a a matter of responding to the word of God. I love how Wade makes us respond. Hey, hey, did you hear that? That's the Bible. Responding to the word of God. If you are discouraged in prayer or you're believing and hoping and you, you just need to come up front and say, God, I want you to know this. I'm, my, all my chips are on you. I'm believing and I know that you're able to do above what I ask or think. If, if you need to come and stand in this response to God answers prayer, I have a foundation in this. I have a history of this. I have a legacy of this. If you feel the need to respond to this message and me too, God, I want you to come and just stand around this front and we're going to sing one song and then pray together. Go ahead. Y'all go ahead. God is so good. God is so good. Glory to the Lord.
used to sing, and I love him so. Do you remember that? Love him so. I love him so. make your way up here. I want to tell you one other, just a quick story, and then Wade's going to close us in prayer. You know, we are, just like y'all, we're constantly trying to infuse God into all the conversations with our kids and teaching moments and everything. So Olivia, out of the blue, we're on the gator the other day, you know, just doing farm stuff. She goes, Daddy, do you remember that time you caught the bird? We had one of them hit the glass and was dazed, you know, like, hit me. And I went out and picked it up, put it on the finger. And then we got loose in the house and Kelly screamed, broke the glass out of the house, you know. She goes, you remember that time you caught the bird? I said, yeah. She goes, let's ask God for another one that you can catch him. (laughs) Not go buy one that you can catch him. All right, sugar. And in my driveway, this just the other day, we're standing out and saying, now God, I know you're watching the dynamics of this. And my little girl wants to ask you for a little bird. And she needs me to catch it. Would you grant that for us, Lord? And you know why. Amen. And think nothing else about it. I've done my responsibilities, man. As the Lord liveth, the next day, the next day, we're in the garage. And you hear this. And it's just going from one wall to the other. A new bird starting to fly. I walked over to it on the shelf and I said, Hey, buddy. Olivia. <laughs> I come over to her and I said, Olivia, here. And she goes, <laughs> this is so precious. She goes, we need to pray for more stuff. <laughs> Daddy, hey. We need to pray for more things. Just pray. Everyone that asks it, receives. Pastor Wade, would you pray over us? Lord, your word says that without faith, it is impossible to please you. We must believe that you exist and you care enough to respond. Lord, we thank you for the invitation to come, to bring our burdens, to cast them at your feet, for you care. God, you see our hearts this morning. God, you hear our cries. God, you see the tears that fall even the silent ones, God. So we do, we, we lay them at your feet this morning. God, you know our hearts. You know what we carry. And we leave it to you this morning, God. Lord, we believe you. We trust you. Now we're going to step in faith now, God, going forth from this place knowing that it is in your hands. It's in your hands and whatever the answer is, is perfect and it's right and it's just and you're sovereign and you're good. And we step forward in that. Lord, And give us the faith to rise up to see what can't be seen. Lord, as we go, be with us, we pray. God, 